am so excited to introduce you to our speaker this morning. Ashley Tipperman is a writer, blogger. She is a member of our leadership team for Dig Deep. Many of you already know Ashley because she is the voice behind our weekly email communications and the wonderful column that she writes each week. And Ashley is just a, a gift to this team. I'm so, so grateful that God brought her into our midst. And if you are listening online and you're not here with us in person and you want to follow Ashley more closely, you can find her blog, a link to her blog in the show notes on my website under each episode, ashleytipperman.com. So thanks so much for being with us, Ashley. We're excited to hear what God has to say through you. Good morning, everybody. Thanks, Jess. So our verses for today in our series about being transformed comes from Romans 12, verses 4 through 5. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. In praying about our verses for this week, I couldn't stop thinking about my trip to Italy. So let me set the scene for you. It was June 1st, 2017, and I had just graduated from Dallas Theological Seminary six months before, and I had said a very tearful goodbye to my friends in Dallas. When I left Dallas, I told my favorite professor to keep me in the loop for any fun classes that I could audit. I'm not sure that I'm supposed to have favorites, but she was definitely the one who stretched my view of creative writing and ministry and truly took my writing and my faith to a whole new level. I thought that this might be one of those kind of generic things that you say as you're saying goodbye and trying to still hold on. She wrote back right away and said, great, do you want to go to Italy? Now, if you leave learning one thing today, it should be that if anyone ever asks you if you want to go to Italy, you say yes, 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 and then invite your best friend and then start packing your bags. Angela was an unexpected friend who I met during my second semester at DTS. She is the type of friend who you just instantly connect with and you really feel like you have known her your entire life. Plus, she thinks that I'm funnier than I actually am, so she's the type of friend you invite to join you in Italy. So when Angela and I realized that our time together was not actually over, that we were going to spend the summer in Italy together, we would just text each other in total disbelief. All the dreams. So the summer of 2017, I ended up auditing a course on medieval art and spiritual disciplines in Italy. We traveled all over to Venice, Vicenza, Padua, Milan, Ravenna, Florence, Orvieto, Assisi, Siena, dragging our suitcases over cobblestone streets and what felt like straight up mountains. We stayed in monasteries in Venice, Vicenza, and Orvieto, which is a small medieval walled city where we stayed for 10 nights. There were three professors and about 20 students who came from literally all over the world. So this is why I couldn't stop thinking about my trip as I meditated on these verses. 
thinking about this beautiful picture of the body of Christ traveling and learning and growing together in all of its diversity and unity. We were such an eclectic, quirky group from different countries, different churches, different denominations, women and men, young and old, rich and poor, thirsty and tired, introverts and extroverts. Traveling with a group this size as adults is definitely a funny experience. You aren't elementary school kids or even high schoolers where you're given a number and you count off one, two, three, in your assigned seats on the bus. We experienced some tension with how do you stay together as a group but also explore as independent adults. I think that traveling with a group especially heightens and illuminates what we do all the time as the body of Christ. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 12 for me to show you what I'm talking about. 1 Corinthians is written by the Apostle Paul in AD 55. Paul took three missionary journeys, and it's during his third trip when he writes to the church in Corinth while he's still in the city of Ephesus. Later, he writes his letter that we have in Romans while he's in Corinth. So even though Romans comes first in our Bible, Paul actually wrote this first to the church of Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 31, Paul also speaks about the unity and diversity in the body. Verse 12, he starts with, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. This sounds very familiar to our verses in Romans. Let's skip to verses 17 and 18. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. This is exactly what happens when you're traveling with a group, and I'm sure that you've all experienced it in some way. You put a bunch of strong leaders together, and then we have seven people who want to lead the way with the GPS and the maps. But when we all try to be the eye looking for where to go, we miss out on the sense of hearing. If someone hears a loud crowd in the distance, but we're too focused on everyone trying to be the eye, we totally miss that, hey, that noise is probably where the parade is happening. If we're looking for the bathroom, which costs money, by the way, and everyone in the group decides that they want to be the ears because they can definitely listen for people chatting about the bathroom, then we totally ignore the sense of smelling um, hey guys, I'm pretty sure that smell is coming from over there. We kick into wanting to be what others are. Okay, we're leaders, so we're all supposed to be able to operate the GPS to get us there. Or we do the total opposite of trying to overdo it, and we turn into the completely lazy traveler who is so indecisive that they just sink back, and suddenly we're all starving because no one can decide where to eat for dinner. It's a similar tension in the church body when we come home from traveling. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 21, Paul says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. 
and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Our leaders with the eye, the overall vision, can't say to the hand or the executors, I don't need you, because then nothing gets done. To us who are thinkers, we can't say to the feet or to the missionaries, oh, I don't need you, because then as one body, we would never go. On one of our very first days in Venice, it was Pentecost Sunday, the day the Holy Trinity was fully revealed. We were walking as a group to attend Mass at St. Mark's Basilica. As we're sitting in the sanctuary, all sort of lost in the beauty of the vast cathedral adorned with gold, we realized that we were missing two women from our group. Our professors and really everyone kicked into action mode. How could this happen? Where could they be? Eventually, we found them, and they were two African-American women who had fallen to the back of the group, stopping to take pictures along the way. In one of their pictures, they captured the Italian police. That summer, there was a lot going on around the world, and Italy was seen as one of the only safe places left for visiting with its borders still open. So we definitely saw a lot of police throughout our trip, and they were doing their jobs and questioning why foreigners were taking their pictures. They wanted them to delete the pictures and asked in Italian, of course, for their passports, which we were required to leave at the monasteries. I can't even begin to imagine what these women experienced that day as we were in the thick of racial protests and racial divides back in America and all over the world. So when they returned to our group at mass, they were in tears and pretty shaken up. We embraced them and had a group huddle where our professors basically said, we are one unit and we have to stick together. It was unfortunate that this happened so early on in our trip, but I think that it made us pay attention to each other even more throughout. We were there as the body of Christ, but we literally had to become one body. So many cities were so crowded, and we stayed as close together as we could, united together in our diversity. I love the New Living Translation of our verses. It says, just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. If you know me or have read any of my writing, it is no secret that I have an autoimmune disorder called Sjogren's. I was diagnosed more than a decade ago when I was 16, and it's normally a diagnosis given to women in their 60s or older. I often describe what I experience as having the aching body of an 80-year-old, so I have fully embraced my grandma tendencies. So preparing for an international trip like this was definitely scary, and it gave me some extra anxiety about staying hydrated and my energy levels and if I would be able to keep up with the group. I also went on this trip while in the middle of really extensive dental procedures. I don't produce enough saliva, so I actually have porcelain crowns on all of my teeth. I could talk for days about how the body of Christ showed up to even make this possible for me, but that's definitely another story. When I went to Italy, I was only roughly through many six to eight hour long days in the dentist chair, 
and I had to go with just the temporary crowns on my teeth that are one piece for the top and one for the bottom. And they're just not as strong as what I have now. So it's just an added scare that my teeth would not break or literally fall out of my mouth while I was overseas. I want to read you a part of my journal that I kept while I was there. Sunday, June 11th. Praise you God for this day of rest. My ankles have been so swollen and aching the whole trip. I'm wearing lace-up Fila tennis shoes because my feet won't fit into any other shoes. There hasn't been a chance to rest and get the swelling down. Today we have three hours of free time and it feels like a taste of heaven. Two women in our group went to buy me ice packs. Ice is so hard to find here. And ibuprofen from the drugstore and I have never felt so cared for. The hardest part about this trip is that I have been so consumed with my physical exhaustion. Literally every step of the way I've thought about how bad my feet hurt. My whole body aches and instead of reflecting on the experience and culture, I have focused on each breath, each ache, each moment my contacts feel dirtier and dirtier, a fog that makes me draw back from the group. Wednesday, June 14th. In many ways, this has felt like my Cheryl Strayed and Reese Witherspoon wild journey, pushing my body in ways I didn't know I could handle. Side note, if you haven't read the book Wild or seen the movie, you definitely must. Cheryl Strayed hiked the Pacific Crest Trail after her mother passed away, and there are so many beautiful lines in this book, but just to give you a taste, Cheryl said, I was amazed that what I needed to survive could be carried on my back, and most surprising of all, that I could carry it. Okay, so back to my journal entry. Yesterday, we walked 20,491 steps, which is 9.2 miles in nearly 100 degree heat. I navigated the streets of Florence and survived a torturous train ride back where the air conditioning broke and the train broke for hours, and I literally questioned if we would make it. We're back at it again today, up at 6.30 a.m. for a bus to Assisi but this time with a huge air-conditioned bus and the view you can only dream of, with rolling hills, mountains, rows of fields and vineyards, cities on a hill. It's almost as if my eyes couldn't and still can't register the beauty that I see. How do I go home to the view of the motel on Route 1? To be honest, I'm not quite sure how to go home at all. All I do know is my eyes are open to a God who is so huge, so much bigger than my small world and small problems. My God is as majestic and precise as the mosaics adorning the cathedrals. My God is as holy as all the candles lit for prayers and offering, as shoulders covered in respect. As we prayed through our liturgy together this morning, in worship from Psalm 72, the righteous will flourish. He will deliver the needy who cry out. I was very protective of my sleep on our trip, as much as I could. I missed a lot of late night activities because I knew that I would literally fall apart if I didn't sleep. 
But one night, I decided to stay up when a group of women came into my room to have pillow talk, girl time. I was able to explain how I know that you think that I'm crazy, but here's why I go to bed early or why I've been in so much pain. I'm very good at crying out in my head, but sharing it is so much harder. I was also processing a lot on that trip about transitioning after seminary and also meeting this guy who I thought was God's gift to me on a silver platter to the level of planning our wedding in my head. Spoiler alert, it didn't happen. It wasn't even close. As soon as I told these women some of the crazy things that he was dragging me through, they looked over their pillows and after many loud collective roars of he did what? that brought the nuns in to tell us to quiet down. They then spoke to my heart. He is not pursuing you the way that you deserve. The body of Christ on this trip were literally the body parts for me that were not functioning. They were my eyes when I couldn't see. They were my feet when I couldn't walk. They were my mouth when I was so worried about my teeth falling out. They were my brain when all I could think about was my spiraling anxiety telling me that I can't do this, I can't do this. They were my heart when I doubted if God was really taking care of me in my life. The end of verse 5 says, each member belongs to all the others. This feeling of worthiness, of love and belonging in groups in the body of Christ is something that I have to constantly fight for. I constantly need reminded of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 15 through 16. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. Verse 16, and if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. I can easily slip into the spiral of thinking. I don't look or sound or think or walk like these people, so I'm clearly not part of these people or this body. But Paul says it doesn't work like that. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. One of Brene Brown's early books that I highly recommend is called The Gifts of Imperfection. Let go of who you think you're supposed to be and embrace who you are. I could just dwell on the title of that book all day, but here's what she says inside. Here's what is truly at the heart of wholeheartedness. Worthy now, not if, not when. We're worthy of love and belonging now, right this minute as is. This time in Italy with the late night pillow talk where I felt so heard and understood and cared for is only one instance of so many, many with women in this room, where I have felt the love of the body of Christ to remind me that I am worthy of love and belonging right now, right as I am. I literally came back from Italy feeling completely broken and also completely held together and functioning because of the body of Christ. This is the community, the oneness, the body that we are called to be. 
And Satan will do anything he can to make sure that this unity doesn't happen. In C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letters, the wise old devil is writing letters to his nephew Wormwood, who is a novice demon in charge of destroying one man's life. Remember in this case that the enemy is God. The devil writes to his nephew, my dear Wormwood, you mentioned casually in your last letter that the patient has continued to attend one church, and one only, since he was converted, and that he is not wholly pleased with it. Surely you know that if a man can't be cured of church going, the next best thing is to send him all over the neighborhood looking for the church that suits him until he becomes a taster or connoisseur of churches. The reasons are obvious. In the first place, the parochial organization should always be attacked because being a unity of place and not of likings, it brings people of different classes and psychology together in the kind of unity the enemy desires. Do you see this? This is what we're up against constantly. Satan does not want the type of community that Dietrich Bonhoeffer depicts in his book, Life Together. He teaches, the physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. The believer feels no shame as though he were still living too much in the flesh when he yearns the physical presence of other Christians. Man was created a body the Son of God appeared on earth in the body. He was raised in the body. In the sacrament, the believer receives the Lord Christ in the body, and the resurrection of their dead will bring about the perfected fellowship of God's spiritual, physical creatures. He goes on, the more genuine and the deeper our community becomes, the more will everything else between us recede the more clearly and purely will Jesus Christ and his work become the one and only thing that is vital between us. This is exactly the transformed life that we have to fight for every single day in our daily steps of obedience to our God who saves, delivers, and transforms the brokenness. There were multiple points in my Italy journal where I wrote, God, please do not let me forget this moment. One of those moments was during one of our very last times together. Every day, as part of our liturgy we went through on the bus or in the monastery courtyard before we left, we sang a song that comes from Julian of Norwich, who was born around 1342. When she was 30 and living at home, she suffered from a serious illness and was on her deathbed. It is believed that as they were administering her last rites, she had 16 visions of Jesus Christ. She experienced a remarkable recovery and immediately wrote down her visions. These are her words that we sing daily that I will not be singing for you. All shall be well, all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. Something about the acoustics and the emotion of our last time together made this rendition sound dramatically different. It is one journal entry where I wrote, please God, let me never forget what that sounded like, what that did to stir my soul. We had become one body, 
one unit for so long, and we were going back to our respective cities with heavy hearts for individual pain and pain in our world. I stood in a circle as 20 voices echoed off the Italian monastery walls and danced into the adorned ceilings. It was an acoustic harmony that made grown men cry. All shall be well. It brings us to tears because sometimes we lose this song. Being one body with many members is hard and beautiful work. There are tensions with our functions. There are tensions with feeling that we are worthy of this love and belonging. But when we get on our knees and beg God daily, he shows up. He shows us the beauty and the power of this unity that he deeply desires to give us. It's the fullness of this transformed life that he is offering us as our invitation to a life walking with him. There are those saints who have gone before us and those around the world right now praying the exact same prayers that we are, uniting and bonding us together as one. My challenge to you this week is to first dwell on the times in your life when the body of Christ has served as your hands, feet, mouth, eyes, brain, and heart. When did they show up for you to give you a physical picture of God's mercy, goodness, and provision? Next, pray for areas where you can act as the body of Christ today. Where can you step in and help someone who is in need? Who is crossing your path right now who needs to be reminded that they are worthy of love and belonging? And finally, let's spend time this week in prayer. So will you pray with me right now? Father, we pray for our church that we would embrace our diverse functions and be united together as one. Thank you for the women here today and for the women listening elsewhere. Be with us today. Show us that we are one body. Amen. <laughs>